Lord, be with the young people as they go with Kathy. Anoint her. Let her speak the truth. May our hearts be open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to Daniel chapter 5. Hmm? On the bus. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round. Y'all know that? The people on the bus go up and down, up and down. The babies on the bus go whack, 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 whack. How do you think I know that? Okay. <laughs> I have a grandson. Daniel chapter 5. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. We're all praying for you in agreement right now. We'll pray for you. You've asked, dear Lord, will you know that uh, your daughter Connie wants to be used in the kingdom of God. We ask you today, Holy Spirit of God, that you would anoint her, fill her fresh with a fresh unction in your power and your love. She's asked for that, and we believe today the power of the Lord in her life as she testifies of your goodness and whoever you bring her way and whatever it is you desire to use, your daughter, Lord, Connie, in the name of Jesus. And Father, bless her and Ronnie as they travel again and carry them safely. But, oh, Lord, may their eyes be fixed upon Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Daniel chapter 5. We're going to talk about Memorial Day, but we're also going to talk about, certainly, at this nation, some things I see that I believe are important and that we need to obviously uh, come before the Lord and place it before him. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then the Lord says he'll hear from heaven and he will heal their land. That's Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's a veteran, not a preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. It's a veteran, not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of the press. It's the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It's the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to assemble. It's the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It's the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It's the veteran who salutes the flag. It's the veteran who serves under the flag. And it's the veteran who rests under the flag. The flag. When we talk about the flag, we talk about the colors of courage. Do you know that when the Stars and Stripes were officially adopted in 1777, that the red, white, and blue used for the flag had no meaning? Those colors did, however, have specific meaning in the great seal of the United States. Charles Thompson, Secretary of the Continental Congress, while reporting to Congress on the seal, had this to say. The colors of the vertical stripes are those used in the flag of the United States of America. White signifies purity and innocence. Red, hardiness and valor. And blue, the color of the chief. The broad band above the stripes signifies vigilance and perseverance and justice. In 1977, the House of Representatives published a book about the flag. In this book, it states, quote, the star is a symbol of heaven and a divine goal to which man has aspired from time immortal. The strips is symbolic of the rays of light 
emanating from the sun. The flag is a symbol of our nation. It's a banner under which men and women fought and died to preserve the way of life for which our flag stands. In every battle, in every land, wherever our armed forces are found, the flag flies above them, around them, and before them. And as we celebrate and we remember this particular Memorial Day, it's much more, again, as I mentioned, than just another sales day or the parades and picnics in the backyard barbecues. It's a day to remember those who have laid their lives on the line to give us and to maintain the freedoms that we enjoy today because freedom's not free. The freedom we enjoy came at a great cost to many people throughout the centuries. And just as there are fallen heroes in every war, there are martyrs in every generation of Christians. In China, the Christian church has had to go underground to avoid persecution. Just by owning a Bible, a person can be imprisoned or even executed. In India, Christian leaders are taken from their homes and churches and beaten in the public square. And even in America, we have martyrs. In 1999, you'll remember, there was a shooting at Columbine High School in Colorado, and one young victim was shot after she admitted that she believed in God. But the martyrs, the falling heroes, are exceptions to the rule. Millions of men and women have gone to war, and the majority of them have come home alive to their family and friends. And so it is with Christians. The veterans are those who live their life for Christ and now live and rest forever in the shadow of God's throne in their eternal home. There are more veterans than there are fallen heroes. They get to see the fruits of their labor and sacrifice. And we're responsible to carry the burden they carried and labor and sacrifice and keep the cross of Jesus moving forward in our nation. We're responsible to show them that what they did was not in vain. And we all know the hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching as to War with the cross of Jesus going on before. I am a soldier in the army of Christ. And we're the ones who pick up the banner that has been carried by others throughout the years. And we're the ones who keep the faith alive and growing for future generations. We're the ones now setting an example for those who will one day who will follow us. We think about this today. We think about in many ways how far this uh, nation has moved from God and has turned its back on God. But I want to tell you to to hang on to hope. Hang on because God's up to something good in this country. The United States of America, again, he's, he's up to something good. And so, well, God obviously is giving us this opportunity to be able to repent and turn to him and see, obviously, people come to the Lord. You know, I'll be honest with you, too. There are a lot more of the millennials than what you realize that are uh, actually in the kingdom of God, who are giving their lives to Jesus. You know, God, Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We see young people coming to Jesus. I guarantee you, if you go over here to Clear Creek Community or some of the other churches there, you'll see them, and they're playing. They got a band up there, and they're just singing and And all, I want to tell you, uh, contemporary Christian music, worshiping the Lord, they're coming in, and their friends are coming in, and they're asking others to come in. And so there is hope, is what I'm trying to say. There's hope. But you and I have a role to play, and I want to share that with you today. In Daniel chapter 5, verses 
one through about five, if you would. Anybody like to read that? If you would, please do that for me. Now, I'm sorry, uh, in chapter 5, verses 18 through 23 to begin with. Verses 18 through 23 in Daniel chapter 5. Anybody want to read it? 18 to 23. Amen. Amen. Did you get what what they're saying here is is uh, basically you have forgotten to remember Belshazzar was doing the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar was doing, and I believe the biggest battle we as Americans are facing today is the battle for the very soul of our nation. We see it all around us today, and it doesn't matter whether or not you uh, have a D behind your name or an R or an I anything else this nation that we know that called the United States of America has continued to erode and the position that we're in today is because of what we tolerated yesterday and the position that we'll be in tomorrow will be because of what we tolerate today history has a way of repeating itself down through the centuries in Daniel's day he saw a lot of what we're seeing today 
But the situation was much worse. In the fifth chapter of Daniel, Daniel describes the collapse of a culture. They became so comfortable and secure within the confines of their strong walls, but they crumbled from within. And the way I see it, Babylon made four big mistakes. First of all, they lost all sense of remembrance. They didn't remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. They lost all sense of reality. And they lost all sense of restraint. And they all lost all sense of respect. And on this Memorial Day, my prayer is that we would be challenged to be a people of repentance. That we would acknowledge that anything we do is vanity without the presence of our God. So the first thing I want to look at is the danger of losing all sense of remembrance. And as Tom has read from the Word of God, is they had forgotten about it. Belshazzar's problem was the same that many people have today. They had forgotten some of the valuable lessons from the past. Lessons like his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had learned the hard way. Lessons like what's spoken of in Daniel 4.37. Those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. In most cases, pride always comes before destruction. And Daniel is laying it out to him because Belshazzar was boasting about himself. He picked up right where King Nebuchadnezzar left off saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power? And for the honor of my majesty, and that's Daniel chapter 4, verse 30. Pride always leads to a fall. It's right up there at the top of the list, those things which God despises. We know Adam and Eve. We know King David. We know Simon Peter. Yes, those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. America used to honor God unashamedly and openly. It etched its numerous monuments all over the nation's capital. It carved its granite on many of the government buildings we hold so dear. It printed on its currency. There was a time when we credited him with our blessings and our successes and turned to him in our trials and our losses. But today, like Babylon, we seem to have lost a sense of remembrance. We're not thinking about that. President Woodrow Wilson said it best. A nation that does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today or what it is trying to do. We are about a futile thing if we don't know where we came from or what we've been about. In many ways, we have forgotten our past. What was it about America that made us so great and caused many women and men from nations all around the world to risk their lives and fortunes to come here? Is there something about America that distinguishes us from neighbors on the north and south? On the north in Canada, Canada was settled by French explorers who were looking for gold. Mexico was settled by Spanish explorers who were also looking for gold. America was settled by men and women who came here primarily looking for God. They were coming looking for a place where they could worship their God and worship in spirit, freedom, and truth here. We've fallen a long way from where we once were. We've gotten so far off our founder's path that it's not uncommon to see the federal courts today repeatedly doing things such as restricting manger scenes from city squares 
and removing Ten Commandment displays from governmental buildings. Unfortunately, there's some sobering similarities between ancient Babylon and modern-day America. And just like Babylon, there's an expensive price to pay when a nation loses all sense of remembrance of who they are and where they've come from. When we stand up here and as testimonies about Jesus are being given by the congregation, as we share those things, we are remembering what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us. We're stopping in this hour together and we're remembering what he did. It sometimes jolts us because we may have been in the, 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 the fray and, and the, the battle of life throughout the week. We've come in here and we're here to remember. And this particular weekend, obviously, we're remembering those who have fought, who willingly went there knowing that there was a good chance they could lose their lives to give us the freedom. But yet Jesus did that and he came to earth knowing that he was going to lay his life down voluntarily to go to Calvary. You know, many times we know he was deity and he was man. But see, he laid aside, as it may be said, his deity and he was man. He felt what you and I felt. He depended upon the Holy Spirit of God to do the miracles and to do the works that he was called to do. He did that as a man. He didn't do that as, a God, as God. He could have, but he didn't. He laid that aside. He emptied himself, the Bible talks about. It's hard to explain theologically, but he did not operate in that deity. He operated as a man. He had to be the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God. He had to be a man without sin to go to Calvary so that that substitute would be favorable in his father's eyes. And to know that he did that, the greatest freedom that we have is when we come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. You know, even that uh, last few days of John Pierce's life, he was, he was in peace. He was at peace. You know, I just never saw a flutter there. I thought about it in terms of, you know, in, in over the years and visiting, many people were terminally ill. But thinking about it in John's case, he knew, you know, with all the things he had had and the challenges he'd had over the years and the uh, kidney issues and all and operating on only just a small percentage there of the kidney and all, but knowing one day he would come to that place and God was giving him, I looked at him there in the hospital there in the last few days of his life, and I just saw grace, God's grace, 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 God's grace operating in his life to be able to make that time where he would cross over to the other side. Isn't that wonderful news? Same grace that was given to Jesus before he went to Calvary, will be given to you and me when we make that final journey and we, we come in and, and we are there in the presence of the Lord. Amongst all those who have gone before us, who are believers, those who are there, oh, that gives me great hope. That gives me great strength to say, okay, this is not where it's at. Oh, these problems are just temporary. God is somehow working a glory within us that far outseeds them all, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's what we're talking about today. To remember those things, to reflect upon those things, these simple truths from the Word of God that we're talking about today. The second thing we're looking at, and that is the danger of losing all sense of reality. 
when Daniel speaks there, it's written in verse 1, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. In order to understand how the king had lost all sense of reality around him, we need to remember that outside the walls there of that city of Babylon, the Medes and the Persians surrounded it. But inside, Belshazzar was partying. He was partying down. He wasn't worried about that. After all, these walls were indestructible. They were thick and they were high. And they stretched for 60 miles in circumference. But everywhere you looked beyond them, you could see the enemy surrounding the city. But no problem, they thought. After all, the walls were so high and they were thick, it was impossible to penetrate. And a 20-year supply of rations they had on the inside. No worry, no problems here at all. You see, always pride comes before a fall. When we are not dependent upon God, and when we have not looked to Him, when we haven't prayed to Him, when we have become so self-sufficient that we no longer really have our mind upon those spiritual things that the Bible tells us about, is you want to look out. And God allows us to be tripped up so that it will remind us that our dependency is upon God. And this is what was happening at that time. Belshazzar was having an issue. So what did Belshazzar do? He lost all sense of reality. He threw that big party. He invited thousands of guests with destruction, was at the door. And when we begin to feel secure in our own strength and believe that, you know, God, you answered my last prayer, and if you'll answer this one, I won't bother you for another 20 years. You've heard that expression. And God is saying, you can't do anything apart from me. Jesus said that of eternal consequence. Not anything at all. And yet, Belshazzar, he was not dependent upon the God, upon the Lord. And so Babylon soon fell because they had become corrupt on the inside with no more sense of remembrance or reality. And you know what's happened in this nation today? We've become so corrupt on the inside that we have failed to remember where our roots are, and that was in the truth from the Word of God. That's what's happened today. We become so corrupt on the inside. You see it. You know, I was watching a program last yesterday afternoon late about uh, that young man, uh, Seth uh, Riches, Seth, Seth Rich, and uh, evidently uh, there's some controversy of whether or not that uh, he knew a little bit too much and somebody got rid of him or whatever. It made it look like a robbery, and yet evidently from the evidence that his wallet was not taken, his watch was not taken. A lot of things are not adding up about this and that. And so we see the corruption today, rotten to the core. And I want to tell you today, it makes me sick to see it and what's coming from a nation. But you see on the inside, when we forget about God, you see what God does then, he turns us over to our own ways. And when we're turned over to our own ways, let me tell you, we are in dire straits and bad danger. We need to repent and turn back to the Lord. Some people today foolishly think that somehow that God needs America to carry out his plan on earth. After all, we've won all the world wars, the cold war's over, 
and we seem to be the only real superpower still standing in the world today. But I believe that God is saying to us today, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he also fall, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Like those in ancient Babylon, we too think that we are invincible. We remember there's a time when Israel was the world's only superpower. They were one nation under God. Their motto was, in God we trust. And they fell. God turned them over. Real simple, isn't it? To return to God, to look to Him and be dependent upon Him. And 3,000 years ago, and later or whatever from that time, God gave birth to another nation. God gave America a law built based on Israel's ancient commandments. Why should we think that we're invincible? We think that now, more than ever, it's time for us to remember who we are and where we've come from. I think it's time for us to look at the reality of what's going on around us and truly pray, God, forgive us, and would you please bless America again? And I'll go so far as saying, Lord, help us as America bless you again by what we've done, that we're walking in righteousness, just like Psalm 33. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We need to return. We need to remember. We need to step back to reality. The third thing is, there was a danger of losing all sense of restraint in verse 2 of chapter 5. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink for them. He was boozing it up. <laughs> they were having a good time. And all this danger was right there. Can you see America today? You see, we're boozing it up. We've got so much today. We've got people today that have never, ever really thought about what this country is founded on. Some of the younger generation, when I listen to interviews that these different reporters do for these young people on the streets about what Memorial Day really means, and some of the answers will shock you. They're on the beach. They're having a good time. They got their Bud Lights. They got all that going on out there on the beach. And the reporter says, what does Memorial Day mean to you? And some of the answers, I just thought I was going to fall out of my chair. They had no idea at all. But they're boozing it up. They're partying. I'm looking at this guy, and I'm looking at that girl, and I'm looking at this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. But yet they have no idea on the truth and the word of God. They have no idea how blessed we are here in the United States of America. They've taken it for granted. Y'all remember me. Cindy and I went to, to Hawaii here. It's been nine years ago, maybe ten years ago. We've never seen it, so we went over there. And we were sitting in an IHOP, and we had made plans that morning to go to Pearl Harbor. And we saw on the back of one, a T-shirt on a guy sitting there with his, his young lady. And they were sitting there. And I saw on there something about Galveston Island and so forth. And I said, are you all from uh, Galveston Island? You're from Houston? Oh, uh, no, we live in Dallas now, but we were. And I said, well, he said he was a dentist there in Dallas. And also he had to have been probably mid-30s. And he was sitting there. And I said, well, um, we're going to Pearl Harbor. And he looked at me. 
we're going to go and view Pearl Harbor. He looked at me. He goes, you know what? He said, we've been here to Honolulu many times. He says, but we've never gone over there to view that particular memorial. And I think that's the way it is for many today. If we don't remember, what does it say? If you don't remember history, what is the old saying is? You're bound to repeat it. To remember how far we have fallen. Remember what, who we were before we even came to Christ. Do you remember how you were in the, the pits of despair? And Jesus reached his hand down and pulled you out. Do you remember how grateful we are for that amazing grace? I was listening to a song coming to church this morning and, and uh, sung it's a beautiful words on it. And the title of, of it is, is, Your Grace Finds Me. It's by Matt Redman. Your grace finds me there on the mountaintop, there on the graveside where there's weeping, there in your victories, there in your defeats. Your grace finds me. God's grace, wonderful grace, beautiful grace. That's what we're talking about today. But you see, Belshazzar, he had lost all sense of, of remembrance in all sense of everything, really. Lost, he lost all sense, didn't he? You could say that. One nation under God. The third thing is the danger of losing all sense of restraint. There where he went on and he was having a good time. There was a lot of sex going on. There was a lot of booze going on. And all kind of like what's happening here in this nation today. And let me tell you today. Fathers and mothers and the family are responsible for the spiritual and moral development of their children. And many times we see that they're neglected their wives and children to pursue material wealth and power. They become so busy with their jobs that they ignore their families and somehow they get involved with all these other things. And because male and female role models are no longer prominent in the home, children are developing identity problems of their own. Many of them are neglected and, for the most part, undisciplined. I don't believe I need to go any farther. But undisciplined. What is wrong with setting boundaries for children? If you go in restaurants, I've talked about it. It's my pet peeve. And they're going wild. They're climbing the walls. They're screaming, they're hollering, and the mothers and fathers, they have no idea what to do with them. My daddy knew what to do with it. Because I knew if he looked one more time that we were going outside, and I didn't want to go outside. Not that I'm not talking about that I was going to miss a meal, but what would happen when I got on the outside. I want to tell you, setting boundaries. You know, we were talking about we're little wrecks and stuff, and I told you, he was banging his, his cup, banging, bang, 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 bang. And I took his hand real firmly, and I looked at him, and I said, Rex, look at me, look at Pop, look at Pop. And he looked at me, he looks, and he knows, he knows what Pop. I said, I want this cup, don't, don't do this. And so I said, because if you do, Pop's going to have to take that cup away from you. And he looked at me, he took that cup, and he set it over there. He took a drink. He never did anymore. Set the boundaries. Many families today believe that they've got to be friends with your children. That was not the way God ordained it. 
They got to be friends. They don't want to hurt their feelings. It's just setting boundaries. We need boundaries in our Christian life. And if, if obviously you're not disciplined, you don't know what discipline is. When God disciplines you, you'll know what it is, okay? And he does it out of love to correct you and me. And he says, actually, that if you're not disciplined, then, then you're not a child of God. Set the discipline. We're not doing that in our country today. And we're raising kids that are just footloose and fancy free. Set the boundaries and, and stick to it. Be consistent when you say something. My daddy never, once he said it once, that was all I needed to hear because he did it. Now they say, don't do this or this is going to happen. And they never, ever do what they say they're going to do. I would have took the cup away from him. But Cindy looked at me and said, you know you've got to follow through with what you're saying. I said, I know. Set the boundaries. They love you for it. The fourth thing is the danger of losing all sense of respect. In verses 3 and 4, quickly. He says, then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. And they drank wine and praised the God, small g, of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and, st and stone. And then remember what happened in the same hour. The fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand in the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against one another, each other. He was shaking in his boots because it was the finger of God that was writing this. The danger of losing all sense of respect. We see a crumbling culture in Babylon here. Nothing was sacred to them anymore. They had abandoned all absolutes. There were no more restraints, and now there's no respect for anything that was sacred. It was party time in Babylon. Get out the booze, you see. I've told you all this many times, that I know if I could get statistics on it, I would probably be right, but... And I'm, I'm saying this, remember, I'm a man, but the position I hold as a minister, as a pastor, when I would go in homes all over the city for almost 25 years, is from about 25 years ago, I would go in, and if they were in there cussing and doing things they should not be doing, and they knew, quote, the minister was coming, they'd knock it off, and they wouldn't be cussing when I came in. And if somebody said a word and it slipped, and they'd go, he's a pastor, he's a pastor, shut up. 25 years later, there was so much cussing going on, even though they knew I was a pastor. Again, it's a position, obviously. But I'm talking about they've lost all restraint. That's how far we've moved in that, and that's just a little tiny example of that. Again, I'm a man. But there's a position, and there was respect in that. No, not anymore. Not anymore. You see, this is what was happening here. The fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand of the plaster of the wall. The king sobered up. His knees knocked against each other. Into the party hall, here comes Daniel. Here he walks in. Now, Daniel wasn't at the party because most people don't like a man of God there where the booze and the sex is flowing. They don't want a man of God. 
You see, when you go into situations where there's darkness, you bring the light of Christ into that particular situation. And the light always wins. You turn the light on, the, the darkness is driven out. Remember that when you go into situations. You're shining. This, the light of Christ in you is shining through into that darkness. This is what happened. They didn't, they didn't want, you know, they, they, they probably straightened up because they never... A lot of times people, they no longer want their immoral buddies and friends, their drinking buddies. They're looking for somebody that can tell them what's really going on. And you know what's going to happen before this thing is over with today and not before the, before the end time there? And I believe we're moving towards it. And that is they're going to look for you and me who know the truth. And they're going to have questions about how is it that I can get saved? How can I get out of this? You see, that's who we're we to be. Not everybody will accept Christ. I'm not naive. But I'm telling you, be aware and be alert because there'll be people today whose knees are knocking just like Belshazzar's was. And they're saying, I'm scared. I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to go out into eternity. Tell me, is there a God? Is there another place? Because there's not everybody because I don't believe everybody's going to heaven. There's going to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit move across this land again. Amen. And God is going to use his church, so be ready, church. Oh, that's good news, because God is saying today that I love souls, and I wish none to perish but all to come to everlasting, eternal life. Daniel looked around, and shouting and drinking and sex had come to a stop. And the strange silence filled the banquet hall. People looked as if they were frozen in time. The sacred vessels were scattered around the tables, and Daniel was the only one in the room who was calm. You know, we don't have to be afraid of Jesus coming back again. You don't have to be afraid of the Word of God. It convicts you, and you may be convicted, but you don't have to be afraid. People who know Jesus, they don't have to be afraid of death. They don't have to be afraid of these things that we know that will approach us. One day that time will come. Daniel stands before him before he uh, interpreted the handwriting on the wall. He preached a sermon to him with these three points, first of all. He said this, there was a word about power. Daniel reminded Belshazzar that King Nebuchadnezzar of power came from God. Second, there was a word about pride. Daniel reminded the king that Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom because of pride. And third, he said, there was a word about punishment. And King Nebuchadnezzar was punished until he came to realize that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whomever he chooses. That's true for all of us. God gives it. God moves. He said, King Belshazzar, you know about the power, the pride, and the punishment, but sadly, you've lost all sense of remembrance, reality, restraint, and respect. When we forget these things, we become blind to the fact that, like Babylon, our problems are not primarily political, economic, or social. The decline of any nation stems from a spiritual decline and spiritual factors. Everything else is just symptomatic because we have declined in the spiritual because we're not seeking the Lord like we ought to is that we decline as a nation in the economic and the social and the political realm. But here we go back to the banquet. He said, your days are numbered, judgment's coming, and you'll be separated from God for eternity. Now, the ballroom was a scene of fright and terror. There was only one person who wasn't scared, and that was Daniel. He knew the one who had written upon the wall. And this fifth chapter of Daniel concludes with these words. That very night, Belshazzar was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. That very night, 
while Babylon had partied with no restraint or remembrance. The armies of the Medes and the Perds diverted the Euphrates into swampland, and they marched right into the city through the dry riverbed that ran under the city walls. And they took the city. They were there all along. God's judgment is certain. There's not a wall high enough or thick enough to prevent a person or a nation from falling when God writes many tekel, you harsen on the wall. And who knows how close we might be to having our number being called. Who knows how close we might be to facing God's judgment. One thing we can be sure of is which side will we be on when he separates the sheep and the goats. Do you know? Very few nations have had a history like America. For over 200 years, we've been a shining light to the world around us. We've been a launch pad to take the gospel literally to the very ends of the earth. We often hear people saying God is our only hope, but do they understand this, that that is truth and that's foundational? There's a last night, you see, for every nation and for every individual. In light of eternity, what is the kingdom of Babylon or any other nation compared to the kingdom that is forfeited by men and women without Christ? Our days are indeed numbered. We need to have a sense of urgency in exchange in our own righteousness for the righteousness of Christ through the new birth that is only offered through salvation. On this Memorial Day weekend, remember those who gave so much so that we would have our freedom today. But don't forget the words in Daniel. The Most High still rules over the affairs of men. And may we humble ourselves and repent before him. And may God bless America again. You see, isn't it time to stand up for Jesus? Isn't it time for you and I and I'm speaking to myself, I always preach to myself, don't forget that. To stand up for Jesus, to be reminded, to remember. Obviously, here in this great nation, but also in our lives, how Jesus kept us from going off that cliff. To remember that, because you see, without that remembrance, we'll fall right in without restraint. We will be turned, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, the Bible says, until we truly get grounded on the fact and committed and saying, Jesus, I believe you do want to use me. I believe that I want to serve you all the days of my life and I will stand up for you no matter how bad the persecution, no matter how bad the opposition comes against me. I will stand up, stand up for Jesus. The soldiers of the cross. There comes a time when we need to obviously make that commitment. There comes a time when we need to remember these things and we get serious about what's happening here. You know, it seems like from reports anyway. The economy's a little bit better. We seem to have this going on and that going on and so forth. But remember this is the foundational, is the spiritual. So you and I, as we repent before God and saying, Lord, we ask forgiveness for going the way that we have for so long. 
and we turn and we go a in a different direction today, whatever it may be. Or it may be just a fresh commitment. You may need a fresh infilling of the Spirit. I do every day, and I ask for it. And I know God gives it because that's his promise to me and also to you. That when the time comes or when things are maybe in the right place is that I can share his word with people. I believe today is the day that the Lord is putting his hand upon the church to remember these things. And not go down the same path as Babylon and Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar. But go the way of the Lord. So without any hesitation today, I want to just ask you, if you're willing to just say, Lord, I want to stand up for Jesus. Would you stand right where you are? If you can stand. If you can't, your knees are hurting or whatever. But if you're standing for the Lord, you don't have a compare. We're not here to compare, Lord. We're just here to say we're making a, a, a statement. And I pray by your spirit, today would be a day that if these have stood, and those that may be in their hearts too, would just say, I'm standing for Jesus. I want to stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross. And we want to be onward Christian soldiers, like that old hymn we sang all our lives. And we obviously want to stand up for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And no matter what opposition we have from people, or obviously even the enemy of our souls, that we will not back down because I want to tell you today last Sunday afternoon we had a service for a young man that we had families here had connections with he was 19 years old he was in Alabama and evidently it looks like he was murdered he had grown up in the area was kind of a little chubby kid had gotten really uh, committed to physical fitness had lost a lot of weight trimmed down eventually went into the Marine Corps he said I want to do it right he said I want to go to Paris Island he went to Paris Island and served and eventually went through some things and some really hard knocks but then obviously had shared his faith. He had strong faith in Jesus Christ. And in this place last Sunday afternoon, it was so packed out in, in the cry room, out in the hallway, and this whole sanctuary, we put chairs up all over the place. It was full of people. He was 19 years old. And his family looked at me when I talked to him, his mom and his father, and I said, I have no idea what you're going through because I have no idea in regards to a child being taken from this earth so early. And it was hurtful. But he had given his heart to Christ. And he was making a difference in young people's lives. And there was one testimony after another for this young man's life and the influence that he had in that sure short brief time of 19 years in that short period of time and the difference and I go and say all this today when you're out there making a difference for Christ I've always said not to scare anybody but to make you snap to reality and that is there's probably a bullseye on your back 
And the enemy does not want you and me from living in the righteousness of Jesus the way the Bible has told us to do. We know the Apostle Paul, he went through hard times, didn't he? And you know, when we live for Christ, we will face opposition. You will face people who don't like the way you're doing it. You will face people that were saying, I'd rather, you need to just sit down and be quiet, you know. And you say, no, I'm not. Because on this day, in 2017, you said, I made a stand. I stood up for Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing today. We made that commitment. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray you bless each and every one here today. And I know their hearts because I know them. And yet, Lord, you know their hearts. And I pray your blessing upon them. I pray the power of the Spirit of the Lord in this congregation, upon every member in this, in this congregation, to stand up, stand up for Jesus and be a soldier of the cross. To take it forth in victory. To share the love of Christ with those out in this world who are lost and they're obviously heading towards eternal damnation unless something stops them. Let us be the ones through the message of the cross. And help us to repent and return to you, O God, as a nation. But Lord, we ask that you would begin right here in this place, in my life, in the lives of those here at Lighthouse Fellowship this day. Thank you for those who have gone before us that we can stand and say thank you, Lord, that they laid their lives down, that we may have this freedom that we do have. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Bless the families that remain. But help us to stand up. Stand up for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen.